All right, guys, so we're super excited to have Justin Bryant from Rapsodo back. Justin, we had you on a little less than a year ago now, but it's, it's great to have you back on the show. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. Excited to talk some golf, talk some uh, Rapsodo products. Absolutely. And look, last time we had you on the show, and for anybody who didn't catch up with that episode, we talked a little bit about uh, your own competitive history in the game, playing a little bit with the Corn Ferry and, and, and at the amateur level and things like that. And we were able to get a little bit of insight into some better ways to practice. We talked about using the MLM one and the, some of the combines and things like that that were in there. So as we kind of talk a little bit about the new device, I want to get your insight on really where the rubber meets the road. It's like, it's a really cool, fun tech device. I mean, we all kind of geek out about that stuff, but like, all right, how is it actually going to make us better? And we'll dive into some of the new features. But the first thing I want to do is just talk a little bit about what some of the development and some of the motivation was where behind the scenes as you were preparing uh, to improve upon the MLM one? Like, was it feedback driven from users? Was it stuff that you personally, you guys just really wanted to get out there? What was it that kind of drove that change and some of the new features that we're seeing in the MLM two? Yeah, it's been a really exciting process of just really you know, MLM One has been such a successful, great product when we brought it into the market in 2019 at, you know, a price point that people could really afford and kind of get numbers, you know, that they kind of see on tour. And so um, really excited about that, but also listening to customer feedback of things, you know, they wanted to see. Um, and and we really implemented that into everything with the product. So when you just even look at the, the design of it, it looks completely different than anything out there. Um, you know, it's got a more, it's a taller unit. So some of the feedback we heard was, you know, we have that that down the line camera from the MLM one and people wanted that viewpoint a little higher. So even just like the design of the function, making those cameras as high as possible, we thought without kind of making it still compact, uh, we're not making it too big, you know, still compact, where you could break it in two pieces and put it in your back. So there's design elements like that. Um, integrating the cameras into the unit itself. So you didn't have to, you know, you could kind of put the phone or your tablet wherever you wanted, you know, bring an Android into it, uh, as well as um, other camera angles, you know, spin and simulation. So we can kind of dive into that. But really, this this product was made for, you know, our, our consumers, you know, literally listening to them and seeing, you know, what other features they wanted uh, when they practiced. And what do you see as far as the um, the numbers or the general overall like vibe between indoor and outdoor practice? I know for us, like here in the Northeast where we have a short season, we are chomping at the bit for some way that we can get effective practice indoors. So uh, when we saw some of the things like the spin and things that could be, and even now the combines could be done indoors, that was the one that kind of really sparked my attention towards it because I thought like, this is a way that I can actually put in effective practice over the winter. Where did you see what that is? Like, is our users using it about 50, 50? What was the demand there? Yeah. So with our current product, I think it's about 60, 70% outdoor usage. Um, there's still that good contingent that is getting it in their net. And with MLM one, it's great. You can kind of get those, you know, those numbers and, and kind of stay sharp, but Definitely, it you know, MLM1 lacks the ability to do combines indoors and people wanted to, you know, play courses inside and things like that. So that's where like the MLM2, it'll be really interesting to see the use case of of uh, how people use it, where the breakdown is with that. And I, I really think it's probably going to almost lean more inside would be my guess. Mm -hmm. You know, once people kind of have those setups, so their nets in their backyards and, and wanting to play sim, um, 
or just kind of get tuned up and do combines, which is which is kind of my favorite feature with uh, the product. So, um, yeah, I think it'll kind of shift maybe more uh, more indoor usage, but I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of anxious to see because there is that portability where you can just kind of put it in your bag and go wherever you want. So, Justin, yeah. I, I got to first of all, congratulations. I mean, we were at the PGA show. We saw the booth. We saw the setup. It seemed like you guys stole the show in regards to tech products. I mean, there's a lot of buzz around the product. So I'm sure everyone at Rapsodo is loving the initial pre-orders and, and everything that's been going on behind the scenes. So congratulations on that. Um, but I got to ask you, like one of the major things that was changed in the new MLM two was the ability to get spin and get that indoors. I want to ask you for you, Corn Ferry Tour guy, great golfer. When did the spin craze happen? I feel like we always just wanted carry, you know, like distance, distance. But like, is that something recent? Is that something you see a lot of golfers are now craving? Yeah, I think it's kind of like the next level there. You know, like once you kind of like are new to the game, you're like, okay, I need to get my carried, you know, numbers so I can like understand how far I hit it. And then kind of the deeper you get into the game, you're like trying to like optimize everything and, you know, right. you nerd out. So I think yeah. it's that second layer of, of the golfers um, of, of trying to look at spin. So um, I, I think it's what I really look at it is like with my wedge shots and like driver three wood. I think some people geek out on like their seven iron and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um for me, I, I kind of keep it more simple. So there's certain, you know, spin numbers I'm looking for with my driver based on the launch and things like that and, and with the wedges. So it really adds another level when you're inside kind of looking at, you know, spin, spin, you want it low with your driver so you can optimize distance, kind of that high launch, low spin. Um, granted, you, you know, it depends on your club speed and things like that of what the, kind of the optimal spin is. And then with the wedges, you kind of want that lower launch, higher spin shot uh, to really control the trajectory. So yeah, it's it's it was like the most asked for feature with uh, outside of Android with MLM One is people are like I want spin, I want spin, I want spin. So um, I think as technology improved, it's it's made it uh, possible to to get accurately. Yeah, and that's why I think I keep seeing when it comes to like launch monitors and just tech in general, it's that you're seeing like your everyday golfers are starting to get a taste of what happens at the high level. So for example, we were just last week down in uh, Sea Island uh, in Georgia, and they've got just an unbelievable training facility there. And I remember as they're giving us the tour and we see so many tour players and high, high collegiate level players there. And like, you guys got to understand these guys, like all the tech in the world that you could want, all that stuff. And they're like, these guys are trying to get 1% better. It's kind of like what you said before. It's just like at that level, you are just, it's the fine tuning that makes the difference for where they're competing. But then I'm even thinking like nowadays we're seeing more people in general show up to driving ranges with some sort of launch monitor device with them. And the conversation's even changing. Like I remember, it wasn't that long ago, I would take my wedges out and I would just aim for different flags and try to get different distances. And now you hear part of the general vocabulary is things like launch angle. Like a guy will be there, like I'm working on my launch angle with wedges. And I feel like we never heard that outside of your top tier players who are professionals competing. Like, where do you think this shift is happening in amateur golf? Like, wh where are we headed? Are we headed to a more tech-driven and a more metric-driven game for the amateur? I think there's just so much more, like, data and knowledge available. So, like, there's there's people that I would say on, like, the super, super far end of the spectrum, like, you know, DeChambeau, where he's, like, you know, looking at every single number, trying to figure out 
you know, how we can optimize it. And, and to, to, a lot, to a lot of people, that's overwhelming. You know, there's people like Dustin Johnson that are only looking at a couple metrics. Um, but I think if you want to improve, you kind of need to know where you are in order to get better. So like, for instance, you're saying, you know, people will say, I want to be a better wedge player. And before it was like, well, I'm going to go out and hit shots to the flags on the range. And it's going to be 60 yards, 70 yards, or whatever system you had to get better wedges. And that, that helps you improve, but to a point. Um, you know, then there's the next level. Well, okay, I'm pretty good there, but when it's windy or off a certain line, I'm not as good. So now we kind of have the data to understand that, you know, what are the best wedge players doing? Not from just the technique, but what's their ball doing? And their balls coming and uh, coming out, you know, under 30 degrees launch angle with more spin. And so then it gives you just a metric that you can check. So when like I hit wedges, I'm looking at launch angle, um, which, you know, also correlates to apex and, and the carry distance. So those are kind of the numbers that I'm looking at. Um, you know, there's other people that look at, you know, ball speed and all that kind of stuff with their wedges. But for me, if it's coming out under 30 degrees and it's hitting that number I want, I know I can kind of control the trajectory, um, better. Cause if I, I for me, I used to kind of hit these high floaty wedges. And if it was a flat lie with no wind, I was pretty good. But if I got into a situation where it was a crosswind or into the wind, it just was hard to control. So just like understanding things like that is like, okay, I'm going to learn to hit my wedges low. There's opportunity, there's times when you kind of need to hit a, the high floaty one, but in general, understanding those metrics. So I think it starts at the pro level and then, you know, the college amateur, it's, it's, you can kind of make it what you want with the metrics, but it's definitely going to, going to always be there now that we kind of have that information and the tools to measure it. So. Yeah, and I would imagine it creates its own kind of hurdle for a company like Rapsodo, where you now are giving so much information. I mean, we, we were just kind of like taking a look through it, and and I, one thing that blew my mind was like, with the premium subscription that comes with this, it'll save up to 10,000 shots. So I'm just thinking like, all right, we're developing a mountain of data. At some point for your mid-level handicappers or people who are, who are starting to learn the game, there's going to be a, a point where that's like overwhelming, like you, like you were saying, like a little bit too much. So how do you then say, okay, we're gathering this data, but then how do you also make it digestible to the everyday golfer? I know you guys have some insights, session insights and stuff that are built in, but I imagine that's a particular hurdle that you don't want to at some point scare off half the golf market because they're like, I can't, I can't take that. That's, that's too much information for me. How do you approach that? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I mean, I think, I think some people that's like one of the hurdles with it of getting better. It's like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to look at that. I got I got it enough to, to, to worry about. Whereas I actually think metrics can simplify things, right? So like what's great about our product is like, if you want to, if you're one of those people that like loves looking at your swing, seeing the different positions, um, we have that available. But really for me, like if, if it feels good to me and it's flying kind of how I want and I, it, the numbers check out to me, like, you know, I'm hitting my driver. Well, okay. What are the numbers? Okay. My smash factor is one, four, eight, four, nine. I'm hitting, I'm hitting it solid. Um, it gives you that feedback. So I actually think what we do is simplify it. So we, you know, we have 13 metrics, which I kind of think are the ones that you need, um, in terms of it's not, you know, there's some out there that have 40, 50 metrics and it's almost like, I don't even know where to look. So I, I think we have enough to kind of uh, simplify it for people, but um, yeah, session insights, we, we, you know, breaks down your club gapping kind of gives you more visuals in terms of your data. If that's something that's interesting to you to kind of learn better. Um, there's just kind of what's nice with ours is you can kind of make it what's, what's best for you. So more visual, more numbers based, but we also have some exciting features, uh, 
I can't quite fully tease, but in the works to kind of help people track their data along the way. So definitely be on the lookout for, for that. That's very cool. And like I said, if nothing else, like all the data is there. And even for, for people who may not want to do it on their own, I would imagine you're going to get a lot more out of your coaching sessions and your, uh, even if it's not lesser than coaching, maybe you're the person who just pays for one or two lessons. You don't, you know, couldn't even establish like a necessarily a coach, but one or two lessons from, a, from a golf professional per year. I have to think that if you have the ability to walk into that lesson with some hard data, I mean, most coaches and, and, and instructors at this point are going to put you on a launch monitor and gather some stuff at that moment. But there's a huge value in showing some more over time. Like if you can pull it up and say to, to someone, hey, look, this is what my last five range sessions looked like. And as you could see, this is a metric I'm struggling with. It's got to be something that gives you, you can squeeze a little bit more value out of the lesson by being able to, to show it to your coach. Do you find that like a lot of people are using it for that? Are they, are they bringing the data to their coaches they're working with or even are coaches asking for it? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the coaches love it. It's great for the players because, you know, as you said, whether you're getting two lessons a year or two a month, there's that time in between where the coach kind of gives you, you know, a couple of drills to work on. And then when you come back, yeah, he, he has the launch monitor most likely there or the video to give access, but like you're really filling in the gaps of like showing him what you're working on or even just showing the progress over time. Right. Like that's why I love having the data is just kind of those benchmarks is you could look back in your session history and see, you know, how fast was I swinging the driver a year ago? You know, I've been working on this with my coach and, and well, I'm actually swinging it slower. I'm actually swinging it faster. What's, what's, you know, what's, uh, he's teaching me he's working. So it kind of just gives you that to back it up. Cause at the end of the day, you know, uh, we're all trying to get better and getting better means different for different people. If it's hitting it further, hitting it straighter, hopefully, you know, you want to hit it longer and straighter, but, uh, whatever your goals are, you can kind of measure that. So it's, it's great for the coach to see what's working in between. And, and it's great for the player to really know that the feedback the coach is giving them is, is helping them succeed at their goals. Yeah. And I think it's actually, it's a harder measurement than most people think to quantify if you're getting better. Cause like, what do us look at? We look at like our handicap or something like that, but we all know that your game can ebb and flow. You can have a bad round and then you can all of a sudden be discouraged. Like, look, I, I, I'm not, I haven't made as much progress as I thought. So having something that creates a very like measurable, you know, it's, there's nothing subjective to it. It's like there, it's in front of your face that you've gotten better helps. In fact, we did, uh, towards the end of last year, we put Zach, our, who's behind the controls right now, our cameraman, Zach over there, we put him, he's a brand new golfer. And we're like, we want to see what happened if you took, you know, a hundred swings a day, a day for 30 days. But like, how do we actually show improvement? And we ended up using the combines that were in the MLM one, um, and cause it generates a score and it was a little bit less subjective, like I said, than, than a, him have putting him out there and having, oh, right, we're going to play a round of golf now. And in 30 days, we're going to play another round. Because right, right. for all we know, you know, we're golfers. You can have a bad second round and you don't tell. So this was a way that we could really show that, that Zach had improved. And on top of that, by storing all of those sessions, we talk about the 10,000 swings, he could go back and he could look at that progression over time. What did day four look like versus mm -hmm. day 15? Mm -hmm. I know for our side, I mean, I thought that was an incredible value that we wouldn't have had without that piece of tech. Um, beyond that, it's just kind of how's your memory serves you. I think I hit a few good shots. Right. I think, I, you know, but here it's in front of your face. Um, and I, 
I don't know, Justin, you can tell me, but I would imagine there's going to be a lot more use cases of people using it in a similar way to see if what they're doing is, is making them better. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I use it all the time in terms of like with my kids, even who are like really young, but I, they love seeing their like progress of how far they're hitting it, you know, like certain goals trying to reach and it makes it fun for them. So like, you know, every 20, they're, they're little, they're five. So for him, a hundred yard drives far, but kind of setting those benchmarks and it'll be really cool. You know, five years from now to really see his growth, um, mm-hmm. which that's an extreme example, but I think just having the data there is helpful. So for me, like I, I always put it down when I hit, um, I, you know, not necessarily like analyzing it, scrutinizing it every session, but for me, it's really nice to like sit down and like, look at a the history of, of what happened. Like what, what's, what did I do when I was swinging it? Well, what did I do when I was not? It's just, it's just good to have, um, you never know when that data is going to be useful when you're trying to get out of the hole. Cause we're, we're there's, you always feel like you figure out the game and then there's always that moment where you have no idea what's going on. And so it's good to be able to look back and kind of see what your numbers were and see how visually how you were swinging it. It's always refreshing when a golfer as good as yourself says that and makes us feel a little bit more like we're not lost. <laughs> but um, there's one metric too that I want to ask you about because like you said, launch angle, right? We started talking about and then now a lot of people are, are, are starting to like get keen on something like that. But there's a new one in the MLM2 Pro, and that's Angle of Descent. And I'll be honest with you, that was nowhere near as mine. It's an average mid-handicap golfer. That that was, measurement was not anywhere near my radar until all of a sudden it was when we went for a fitting and learned how that translates to scoring because when you're able to hold more greens, like we, you know, it just, it translated to like, especially accessing front pins and Mm -hmm. things again, bringing that level of the high competing golfer and making it digestible and understandable for your everyday golfer. So tell us a little bit about that as a metric, because it stood out to me. That was something that was new for the MLM one of why you included that angle of descent in there. Yeah. There's, I'm going to first ask you guys a question. There's yeah. three ways you can stop a ball on a green. Do you know what they are? There's three different techniques, essentially. So you got you, more spin is going to stop it. Mm-hmm. Higher, yeah. the higher you hit it, obviously <laughs> it's going to, but I would imagine higher also correlates directly with angle of descent, right? Or do you consider them separate? Yeah. Uh, no, there's definitely a correlation there. There's definitely a correlation. Are those our three or I'm saying is height and angle of descent the oh. same? So angle descent would be to no, you can bucket those in. There's a, there's another one, which is kind of a trick one, but you got the big two. What's the, the trick? The one? third would be just hitting the flag. So, you know, <laughs> you got a plug line in the bunker, you got no hope and you're just hoping to hit the, hit the flag. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that's something that's like always key is you kind of see with younger kids, maybe, you know, older, um, or people new to the game is they hit these, you know, seven irons, eight irons that come in so low. Um, and they just can't stop them on the green. Um, and so that, that's just like a great metrics to kind of see either your stopping power with your irons, as you said, to like really attack those front pins. So you're really going to be looking at your spin number and angle of descent to make sure that like, okay, when I hit this six iron, it's going to stop, um, you know, appropriately, it's not running out. Um, and then when you're looking at your driver, it's, you actually want it to kind of find that sweet spot. I think it's about 35 degrees. I think it kind of depends on a couple metrics, but where you want it to, essentially come down um, at, a, at an angle where it's going to maximize the roll. So like, it, you know, it's not going to come down at 1% or otherwise you, you would have hit it way too low. So I think right. about 35, 37 degrees with your driver um, 
<laughs> someone will fact check me on that, but is where you kind of have that optimal, you know, carry and roll. And then with your irons, yeah, you're looking at, at stopping power. So it's, it's kind of that next level metric, I would say is like a beginner. I would never say, look at your, you know, descent angle, but as you're trying to improve, maybe get from a 10 to a single digit or single to like scratch is kind of like, you know, again, you're trying to find those like nuances of like, how can I, how can I get just a little bit better? Cause if you're hitting it, you know, if you, change your uh, angle of descent, you know, and, and you get 10 more yards of roll, that's one extra, one less club into the green. You're going to hit it probably closer over the span of 18 holes and you might save one shot. So yeah. I think that's kind of the next level metric, but it's a, it's a cool one to add. Um, it, it is. It, and like I said, I hadn't really given it much thought until like when I was working with the fitter and he said, listen, if you've got a front pin and, and the front of that green, is, it's not something you can just run up. It's, it's protected by a bunker or something. It was, if you don't have the proper angle of descent, you cannot access that pin. It is out of your reach and you're going to have to hit it and to the back of the green and, and hopefully get out of there with a two putt. And then to me, that's where those understanding, like I said, there's this mountain of information in the everyday golfer as we we learn more and more as devices like this become more accessible to us and we can start to understand it, you start to say, okay, now I see how that translates to my score. Because if I can't get it near that pin, add two, three strokes, you know, because mm -hmm. I'm going to be having a putt or chip back towards it. So I think that was really interesting. So Speaking I, of that accessibility, yes, I don't want to cut you off, but go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, speaking of that accessibility, how important was it for you? Because obviously there's a big tech jump here from the MLM one to the MLM two. I would imagine there would have been some hurdle to keep this, the new MLM two pro in the price that you guys wanted. How important was it for you to stay in that sub thousand dollar category? Or was it something that just yeah, had my happenstance? <laughs> No, no. I think, you know, it was, it was definitely, it was interesting at the PGA show when, when we're kind of showcasing the product to new people, you know, I would kind of, they were kind of like, well, how much does it cost? Um, and I kind of put it back on them. Um, and I got ranges from 800 to 8,000. Um, so like in terms of like the tech that's, that's packed in there, it's, it's a lot. Um, and, um, but for us, one of our missions, uh, within our company is to really give, um, accessible, uh, the, make it make it accessible to everybody so um it was definitely you know really wanted to keep it under that a thousand mark in terms of, of adding all the of all the features in there but um yeah we're, we're really excited and, and the response has been huge so um i don't know maybe uh maybe we made a mistake at too low but no we're, we're, we're really we're really happy with the price point so um excited to get it in people's hands and, and see what they think you know, I wanted to ask for, for anyone who's been living under equipment rock in the last month and they don't know about the product and they might not be the geek out type with, you know, all the other uh, metrics we we're talking about the simulator side. I just wanted to ask you, like, can you, what can you tell us about what type of simulator experience we're going to have for just the guy who wants to play at home, take swings at home. It's hard to get tee times. Golf's expensive. Now you can get a simulator for all this. So just share with our audience, Justin, if you can, what will they get with this? And if you could kind of tease, maybe you can't, maybe you can, what's to come on the simulator side? Yeah. So there, the, I think one of the things like in terms of the learnings with MLM one is people really wanted that sim experience. You know, they, I think when you're in that like indoors and you kind of get your numbers, it's, it's nice, but it's kind of like, okay, how can I visualize it more? How can I kind of uh, make this more fun and engaging? Um, so one of the first things was just the 3D range. Um, mm -hmm. It's just kind of what we have, and you can kind of see your ball flight and get the numbers for the experience. But really, the, the big seller here, and what people are really excited about, is with our simulation package, 
there's 30,000 courses, which is a ton. Um, mm, yep. And be able to play those. And, and I kind of look at it as twofold of like, hey, like I got 40, 30 minutes and I just want to go play and have some fun. Um, or like for me, like if I'm playing a tournament or competition and I've maybe seen the course floor, maybe I don't have time to play a full practice round. Like I'll just play it on the sim and get like an, an idea of, okay, well, I'm going to hit this off the tee. You know, this is what the course looks like. So like when I go out and play it the next day, I'm, I'm ready to go. So, um, it's, it's really exciting to offer that at that price point. And then we also, so that's our own, uh, simulation rap soda. So once you get the unit for six ninety nine, you know, the first year memberships included, so you already have access to the simulation. You're not, you're not paying anything else year one. And then we also partnered with awesome golf, um, which is a third party software when they have um, a bunch of cool courses and different games you can play. Um, and then E6 as well. So we're really excited about those partnerships. I'm, I'm sure there's, uh, there's more in the works. Can't say anything else, but, uh, mm-hmm. really excited about those two partners and for people to be able to, to play those and experience those. All right. We'll get you guys back to the interview, but first we want to thank Titleist and to be your best today, you have to outperform the player that you were yesterday. And for some, it might be breaking 80 for others. It might be breaking the course record. And for all of us, it's playing a golf ball. We know that will help us get the most out of our golf game. So now they just launched at the new Titleist Pro V1 and Pro V1 actually the most advanced to date and will help reward your best swings like never before. Both models are longer, even more consistent, and featured unrivaled control. And that's the stuff we look for in a golf ball, guys. Uh, just a quick little uh, differ- differentiation between the two. Pro V1 is the best combination of distance, spin, and feel in the game and delivers that penetrating ball flight. And then you've got the Pro V1X, which I game, and that those balls, they fly higher, they spin more in the short game, and they still give you that low spin on longer shots to maximize your distance. You could find out all you need to know about the Pro V1 and Pro V1X. Just go to their website, visit titleist.com. All right, guys, and you know FootJoy is the number one shoe in golf because they offer the widest selection of sizes, styles, and performance options for any, if any golf shoe out there. And there's one I have to show you because these just landed, and they are so sick. These are the brand new, this is right here on the box, the Hyperflex Carbon. And you guys know I'm big Premier guy. I'll talk about Premier in one second. But take a look at this and what they did here. I mean, if that's not a good-looking shoe, You're sturdy too. I right? don't Feel know that. what is. And they, yes, we got the chance to catch up with the Footboy Foot Joy team down at the PGA show, and they talked about how much stability they add into this shoe. And they said, because of that increased stability, you're going to see a lot more of this on tour this year. A lot of tour players are going to be wearing it. And they've got that sneaker-like comfort, the high-performance traction. It's really great uh, on the course. And then you even have things like the Flex XPs, the Flex we're wearing now, great Mm -hmm. off the course. I wear it when I'm in the simulator. We, We were actually traveling a lot in Georgia wearing it a whole bunch. And personally, like I said, I've been a big fan of the Premier Series for so long. It's a shoe that's far and away the choice of more tour players than any other shoe. It's worn by Justin Thomas, Max Homa, Will Zalatoris, Cam Young, Jessica Horta. It just keeps kind of going on and on. And we saw so much of it these last couple of weeks on tour. Um, and, and you'll see why as soon as you try them for yourself. So uh, you could also do that or you could choose the My Joyce. And I've got actually one behind Mike there you do, yeah. where I you can go in and you can actually custom make them and dial them in there just right behind Mike. Um, it's just so cool what you can do across the board with the premiere series, especially when you bring that my joy component into it. So trust the brand that's been number one forever. Trust your game to FootJoy, the number one shoe in golf. Shop now at footjoy.com. Now let's get back to our interview. I love seeing now the ability to do a full sim setup for such an inexpensive price. We were talking before how, you know, just years ago, it might be five, six, seven, eight, twenty-five thousand to try to build this in your home. 
But you know, just for someone like me who's got a garage and I could throw up a net or a mat and use this as the brains, absolutely. Like that's stoked. I'm stoked about that. I mean, it just seems like a great, a great price for something of that caliber. Yeah. So. And well, like you brought up before, I mean, I think it's such a good point that one of the barriers kind of to entry to golf is the time that it takes to play. Right. So we've seen as the prices become more affordable, we've seen this incredible jump in the amount of indoor golf being played. Not only like you have uh, it at the highest level. I mean, there, there are tours, full indoor tours mm -hmm. in South Korea because they're so limited on the number of outdoor courses that they have. We have this tiger golf league that he's yeah, putting right. together which is going to be like in a sim and i and i i've recently heard i don't i don't want to get the stat wrong but uh somewhere at the pga show i remember talking to someone who's kind of floated across my awareness that if we're not there yet we are soon going to cross that line where more golf is played indoors more rounds per year are played indoors than outdoors and i think a huge part of that is because something like this makes it time management wise mm -hmm. it makes it more accessible to play and you know um affordability yeah, i mean right. sure okay so 699 for this unit and then you play unlimited amount of golf i mean nowadays that could be like five tea times <laughs> exactly. you know what i mean so <laughs> I, I, what do you guys see i mean because you guys get the data i know it's a new product but how much are you seeing is simulator play now yeah, I think I think you're like right on it. So like in Asia, it's it's huge over there. As you said, like more rounds are indoors, I think in certain parts of the world than outdoors. And I think that is going to continue to grow. I think it I think uh, you'll kind of see a couple different things. I think just more kind of like online community um, in terms of, you know, competitions, playing, things like that. But um, a lot of the data that we've seen so far is shocking to me. It was just uh, single player rounds uh, with simulation. So I think there's the, that time factor of like, Hey, I want to play, but you know, like my situation, I have three kids, um, job and it's like, it's hard to, to kind of stay on it. I live in the Midwest and it's hard to keep your game sharp. Um, but you have 30, 45 minutes to go play 18 inside, you know, your garage. Um, I can, I can make time for that, but it's hard for me to go out and find four or five hours, uh, to play consistently. So I think it'll continue to explode. I think like in, I don't know, five, 10 years, we're going to like, it's going to be so different environment in terms of, of what golf looks like uh, in that world. And we're like really excited to be a part of that and, and journey yeah. and building that community. That's awesome. And, and you're going to see it like I, I poker nights are going to start to phase out. They're going to become <laughs> league nights at, at buddy's house. You, you I watch. wouldn't be surprised yeah. at that. And the other thing I wouldn't be surprised at is where we get to a point where just like now you see a range finder like dangling off of every bag. I think you're going to see a personal launch monitor. No doubt. On every bag. It's like, it, and, and I would have never believed that if you told that to me five years ago. Right. You know, when you look mm -hmm. at the astronomical cost of, of some of the launch monitors that are out there, and now we're getting them. And, and I guess, I guess I should have believed it when you realize how far like something like cell phone technology has become and it's become more affordable and smaller and, and the camera that's in your pocket is better than any you know camera your parents could have dreamed of right. type of thing. I get that, but it's still astonishing to me when I see a product like this. And, and one thing I just want to have you just tell us really quick, as far as the nuts and bolts, Justin, how it's actually working as a launch monitor. Because I remember with the MLM one, we had the radar and then uh, you would use your the, the camera on your phone. It was a camera and radar system. But if you could just briefly tell us how this actually works, the new MLM2 Pro, and how it's reading that golf ball. 
Yeah. So what's really unique for ours, as you said, like the, the first generation there was radar and camera. So for people listening, normally it kind of falls into two categories. There's either radar based launch monitors or there's camera based. Uh, they both have their, their advantages and disadvantages. But what's unique to us is we have both of those technologies. So we're using the camera and the radar. So with MLM2 Pro, we have a radar in there. And then we have two integrated cameras. So we have our shot vision camera, which is the 2K camera, um, which is that kind of down the line. You can see your your swing with the shot tracer. But we all also utilize that camera to help track the ball. And then we have the impact vision camera, um, which is a 240 frames per second camera that's really zoned in on what's happening at an impact. And we're using also that to, to track the club and ball. So there's a lot of technology, a lot of people that are a lot smarter than me that know how to combine those tech. <laughs> tech um but it's really cool to see it in action um something else i wanted to kind of go back on for a second is just that sim was what's cool now too is before you kind of bought these packages and it was so on a you know 50 20 grand what's great about ours is you can you can really customize it to whatever you want so like you is mike as you said you can just put down a net and a mat and mm-hmm. use your ipad and play you can get the projector set up or you can even take it, which I'm really curious to see how many people actually play sim rounds outside at a range. Because um, that's mm-hmm. a feature um, that's possible and I've used and kind of that's enhances cool. your practice even if you're outdoors. So I think some people are like, well, I don't I don't have a good indoor setup. And it's like, well, you can use it out at the range to, to play and, and just as another way to practice. So um, it'll, it'll be really, uh, really cool to see how, how the uh, people use it. That's actually quite brilliant. I mean, I've, I've heard a, a lot of golfers before a competition will on the range, like the end of their range session is just kind of play through mentally the first couple of holes. But now, I mean, you could have the luxury of actually doing yeah. it, like physically playing through those holes, which is pretty darn cool. I mean, uh, 33,000 courses is a very high chance that the course you're playing that day is in there. So actually, I would be excited to try that someday. Dial up the course before right. we go out, play a couple of the holes and see how it, well it translates yeah. uh, to when I actually hit the first tee. That yep. could be an interesting experiment at some point. Yeah, that, that's a cool one. I, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Let's see it in action. <laughs> um, so, okay. So the last piece of the technology I want to talk about too, is the, the ball that you guys developed <laughs> along with it. Um, it's actually, it's a Callaway ball. So it's a, it's a premium ball that you use, but the development that you guys did was adding some of these markings in for the, uh, Rapsoda precision technology. Uh, and I, my understanding is that that works with the camera that's that high frame rate camera to develop the spin. Um, but you also have spin axis in there. So could you just kind of tell us just like, kinda, I know, I know, obviously, like I said, the engineers are the ones who can give us the deep dive in it, but just like the layman's idea of how the ball works with that camera to give us those numbers. Yeah. So it's, that's how we were using. So the, there is. Yeah, you can't probably see, maybe people that are watching can, but there's a really unique pattern on there. So each kind of uh, dot pattern that's on there, um, and it's really precise in terms of the printing on there. And that's how we are measuring the um, the spin and spin axis, as you said. So the camera at 240 frames is seeing the ball uh, rotate, and that's how essentially it's getting calculated. Um, and spin axis is one that um, I really like because every time one of my buddies asks me, like, Hey, I just, you know, give, give me a tip. And I'm like, okay, well, what shot do you want to hit? I just want to hit it straight. Um, and I'm like, okay, so if you want to hit a straight shot and you want to play well, you need to have your, like, essentially launch it directly at your target every time and have a spin axis of zero, right? Um, so it's like that, that's not attainable. So what's really good is kind of 
working with a shot shape in mind. So if you're if you're a righty and you want to hit a draw, you should be seeing like a negative spin axis, which means the ball. If you think about it in a plane, the plane's tilted to the left, so it's gonna it's gonna uh, the ball is gonna curve left. And if you want to hit a cut, which is what I like to hit, you kind of want the ball to curve right. So you want a positive spin axis. So it's kind of understanding those numbers. So um, again, that's probably like a next level metric. If, if you're kind of just getting started, I would say maybe work on something else. But in terms of really refining it, there's kind of certain, you know, two degrees is essentially neg- negligible, but kind of understanding you don't want 30 degrees unless you're starting that ball way left. So it's really just measuring the curve of your ball. Um, yeah. And l- does that, and listen, does that well, answer? Well, like, that it does. And even more. No, it doesn't. It, Cause like, there's two things to that, I think. And I think there's always two ways to think of these things. Like on your high level, as you said, golfers who are learning different shot shapes, that's really, you know, a, a key metric. But also another thing that I've kind of like recently learned and just kind of that understanding has helped me quite a bit is just knowing Yeah, we all want to quote unquote hit the ball straight. We say that as amateurs just because we're tired of chasing it down in the woods. <laughs> but right. the reality is that we all kind of have a natural shot shape. And one thing I've learned so much of is is to not fight that and instead play smart with it. So for me, I, I move the ball from right to left, right? I have a little bit of a natural draw. Just by instead of fighting it and try, and I'm not the type of guy who's going to be able to play a fade on demand, right? But what I can do is I can say, where's the trouble on this hole? Know which way my ball is going to move. And then I can take aiming points that are a little bit less risky, right? Instead of trying to force a square peg into a round hole. So for me, it's like, again, taking that something spin axis that previously you would see here more high level golfers talk about, but get on the, on the launch monitor, hit a bunch of shots and just see what's my trend. Like what's my main spin axis when I'm not trying to do anything, I'm just hitting my natural shot. And by understanding my shot shape, Without having to change anything, it's helped me dramatically just because I aim smarter, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like it's just I think that there's ways again, like I just I wanna kind of dispel the idea that a lot of your newer golfers would just glaze over these things because like, ah, that's I'll get to that when I'm a better golfer. I'm telling you, just by a simple understanding of it, it can make you better without having to change anything. And I think spin axis and how it relates to how you work the ball just understand how you do it naturally and stop trying to fight against the current. I think it's a, it's been a big takeaway for me personally in my, in my own development. No, I think you're right. I think for me personally, like trying to get better instead of trying to like understand everything about golf, I've really focused in on trying to understand everything about my game. So as you said, like learning the tendencies, learning the shots that I'm comfortable with when I'm playing in a round and, and really like just understanding my patterns and tendencies is what's uh, going to give you confidence. So for me, like I want to hit a fade um, and it's, it, it makes those pressure situations when you're playing, whether it's the first tee shot or the last and you're trying to shoot your low score so much easier because a lot of times when I play with my buddies who, um, you know, or I would say nor- normal golfers, um, they kind of ask like how, you know, I'm, I'm nervous. Where do I need to aim? You know? And, and I'm like, well, where, where are you looking here? And they're, they're, I'm looking in the fairway. And for me, it's so much a different of a thought process. Um, it's like, okay, I'm looking at that tree, and I know my ball is not going to go left. It may start left, but I know it's going to fade right. So it, it gives you that confidence to know, you know, depend on that shot pattern. And, and even like at uh, Torrey, uh, where, where Max Homa won, I know there was that left pin on 16, the par three. 
and uh, he hit a fade into it, which is really not what you think someone would do with, you know, the miss not being left. You think most people would try to draw it in there. But home was like, I hit a cut. That's what I'm comfortable doing. And I know my ball is not going to go left. Uh, if it starts left, it's going to fade. And so I knew I wasn't going to hit in that bunker. And I think that's that's easier said than done, right? You know, Max is, is a pro. But I think yeah. no matter what level you are, it's knowing your tendencies, understanding that. And then when you get to the course, it just gives you so much more confidence. Um, and my thought when I'm practicing is like, Unless I'm working on something, you know, very specific, it's yours and we're trying to instill confidence in your game because then you're going to have more fun, shoot lower scores. So just kind of understanding that is, is going to help you. Yeah, That's I mean, the else. more I, I learn about it, the more I see it. And like you said, even at, at the highest level on tour, the best golfers are the ones who are most self-aware. They just know they're not trying to be somebody else. I think, uh, sure, there's a lot that you can learn from studying the best in the game. Um, but, I mean, you can think about Tiger talking about for Charlie. He's like wanting him to watch, you know, Rory for but for something specific, Rory's balance, right? He's not saying emulate them. I think a lot of us where we get lost is we try to emulate somebody that maybe we're a fan of, but maybe they have a completely different approach, a completely different shot shape. So just getting that awareness helps. And I think that it's devices like this that bring that awareness to us in a much more understandable way. I've been, you know, experimenting with and using the MLM2 Pro a whole lot. I love that one of the things it just tells me right off the bat was what was that shot type? It just says fade draw and I can look for patterns and I can look for when I swing my natural swing without trying to change anything, what happened? And then that ultimately leads to confidence because I know, Hey, I'm doing it in my practice sessions. I can do it out on the course. Um, but it's really exciting. I think for every level, like I said, the high level golfers, they, they're going to love all the new metrics that you've included in the MLM two pro for us everyday golfers, especially us busy ones. We've all got young kids, you know, all, all of us talking here, all have young kids and understand that the, the practice sessions, they're not as frequent as they used to be. So you better get everything you can out of it. And I think something like this allows us, like I said, to squeeze every bit of juice out of it. So the last thing I'll ask you before we let you go is. If people are interested and they want to get a hold of one, here's the big question. What do yeah. they do? Because you guys uh, you guys had a pre-order and then all of a sudden you didn't because <laughs> I, I know you guys got a lot of pre-orders. So tell us a little bit about what's the best course of action if someone's interested in getting one. Yeah, uh, go go on repsoto.com right now, and you can you can sign up. Uh, if you give us your email, we'll kind of keep you up to date on 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 supply and when it's available again for purchase. Uh, but it'll also be available for purchase uh, late March, early April, in terms of some retail stores as well. So definitely keep an eye out. But to stay up to date on all the all the latest, uh, head over to repsoto.com. I guess it's but a it's, good it's, problem it's, to have when your pre order. Uh, goes gangbusters and uh, <laughs> it, it definitely <laughs> nothing else. It's got to validate for you guys that, hey, we must have answered some of the questions and the things that our our buyers would want to see with the fact that your pre-order kind of sold out so fast. It's got to be validating at least to think, hey, this this we hit the nerve we wanted to hit. Mm -hmm. it, uh, it did. Yeah. I mean, we, we've been working on this for a long time and it's been hard to keep it a secret and to kind of just release it at the PGA show, see the response. And then, I mean, see, see the response on social in terms of like the engagement, the views, and then the pre-orders. It was, it was, uh, it was awesome to see just the excitement and, uh, yeah, we're, we're excited to get it in everybody's hands and, and see them using it in, in action. 
Well, it, like Mike said earlier, congrats on the success with it. Thanks for taking time to come and talk to us about it. Like I said, it's it's been something we've been having a lot of fun experimenting with. And I know the version that that you guys were kind enough to send us over, it's only, you know, in beta. So we haven't even had the chance to experience all of it yet. So as the more and more features get in there and in the simulation, I'm excited to keep diving into it. And like I said, from a game improvement standpoint, it's been easily one of the best tools in our toolkit. Mm. So uh, thank you for that as well. And and thanks for coming on the show. I'm sure we'll get you back on here again sometime to, to talk a little bit more. We always feel like we learned something when we talk to you, but uh, appreciate everything again. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, guys, thanks. It's been fun. And uh, congrats on, on uh, everything you guys have accomplished. It's been fun following you guys along. Appreciate that, Justin. Thank you. Thanks again, Mike, Justin. Mike, we just want to see that. I want to see that draw back in action. It's coming. That was a nice Blackburn lesson. <laughs> and, and by the way, you were you were fantastic in that short with him, that video. I know. I noticed oh, you thanks. out there with him. That was cool. That was yeah, really he, cool to see. That was that my was first. Cool. That was my first workout in a while. So uh, yeah, I got after it. I got after. You it. did. <laughs> you did. Good stuff, man. All right. Well, hey, thanks again. One day we'll get out on the course with you. I want to. I want to actually get a chance to, to to play with you in real life out on the course and and see what you can do on the golf course. But uh, for now, like I said, thanks for coming by the show, and I'm sure we'll catch up with you again soon. Awesome. Thanks, guys. 